welcome back to the Back of the Net podcast. It's Ben here from the Weymouth Street Massive, and we're glad to have you back for a fifth episode. And this month we have Wayne Goodison, and I really hope you enjoy this one. It was great fun to film. So, without further ado, enjoy. Hello and welcome back. It's Ben here of the Weymouth Street Massive, and we're here for another podcast. It's the Back of the Net episode five, and I'm joined by an extra special guest uh, this month. It's Wayne Goodison. Ex-professional footballer, uh, played for a variety of clubs. It's great to have you here. Thanks for the extra special. <laughs> I don't think you've ever, ever said that about me before, but yeah, thank you. Good um, to be here. Yeah, so it's great to have you on, and we're going to be talking about a, a number of things yeah. today, um, and, and talk about your, your career, and then going into to, um, management on, on various different levels, and now you're doing university stuff, so there's mm. no lack of things to talk about. You're lots of things, yeah. Lots of things changed from your last ten, five years or whatever. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and I mean, for those of people who don't know, um, Wayne has over two hundred appearances in the uh, football league, um, I think, and different clubs as Barnsley, Crewe, and Rochdale. Mm. The three. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, long long time ago, but yeah. That's right. <laughs> And non-league as well, Hyde United is one yeah. of the ones that uh, stood out to me, but um, a few clubs in there as well. Yeah, Hyde, Accrington and, and, and Buxton, and obviously Accrington are back in the league now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I enjoyed my, my short period of time there, just just one season, but yeah, enjoyed oh, it. Well, well let's, let's talk about that, that career okay. as a professional footballer, um, and I mean, what better place to start off than, than Barnsley, because you came up through the youth system there, spent a while Yeah. There. Yeah, so I um, I joined the club actually. It's different back in back then. You're talking about obviously well, around like 1980. Um, the system then was that you you didn't have really have academies like you have now. Uh, as such, you, you could sign what they call schoolboy forms at 14 and affiliate yourself to a, to a football club. Then, so up until that point, I, I just sort of played um, local football. I played for the Leeds schoolboys as well and, and West Yorkshire schoolboys at football. Interestingly enough, the, the high school I went to uh, was rugby union. We weren't allowed to play football. And at that point, you were even allowed to have a football to play with at, at break. Um, so I played rugby union at school as well. Um, I, I, I do remember at one point there was a bit of friction between the rugby union side of things. I had to play for the school. I couldn't, I was trying to stop me playing for Leeds school boys. And uh, my mum went in and kind of kicked a fuss up. Quite a first one with my mum. <laughs> And uh, basically said she pulled me out of school, I think. Uh, so with, a compromise was made where I played Saturday mornings rugby union for the school and then hot-footed it on the bus uh, across to play football in the afternoon, which was um, which was interesting, obviously. Um, but often turned just covered in mud from, from the morning. <laughs> wow. um, and then, yeah, at 14, I, I was actually playing. I was not I was still playing for Leeds School Boys, which was about 15, 16, when, when I left, when I was going to leave high school. And then um, I was playing for my local team, which was Rothwell Juniors. Back in Leeds, and um, a scout from Barnsley was, was watching one of the games, and um, just like I suppose you, you kind of hear of in, in mythical times, came over to my brother. It was it was with me, and said, "Interested in, in coming through to train," and it just went from there. So from from fourteen fifteen, um, I was travelling through from Leeds to Barnsley Tuesday nights, Thursday nights to train. Um, again, different system. It, it, they had what they called the Colts side, so that was the, the lads who they potentially thought might come mm. and join them as, as apprentice professionals. So I played in that team for a, about two years, alongside still lead school boys, etc. And then, uh, yeah, I was I was fortunate enough at, at 16 when I, when I left school to be offered a, a two-year apprenticeship. Oh, wow. And that's, that's how I 
so I guess I joined the club and you know again very different times uh, apprenticeships now or, or scholarships they are now I think they call them very different looking to, to what they were back then um, I was out on the ground the other day and uh, I was looking at the pitch and you know, it looks fantastic but I was talking to a, a group of people down there and saying my first experience of coming to Barnes as, a, as an apprentice footballer if you like at 16 was coming and for the first two weeks all we did was dig some drains down the pitch to put, <laughs> to put the drains in so we were basically labour painted the stands, painted the dressing rooms, all the menial jobs that you could you could think of is what we did as apprentice professionals. And then when the players came in to, for pre-season, we sort of had kit out, boots, etc. And then got a chance to train ourselves. So it was a different looking yeah. uh, thing. But I, I, I have said, I've said, I've said previously, I think, I don't think you should go back to that because I know none of, none of the lads kind mm. of do that now and, and clubs put a stop to it. But I think what it what it taught us was 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 discipline, hard work, yeah. values of, of kind of working together, uh, respect, all that kind of stuff. And, and I would say that's something that's some of those threads have, have carried through my life, yeah. uh, and, and I think definitely through lads that I, that I grew up with at that time. So, so yeah, that's how I, I came about to be an apprentice footballer at Barnsley. Um, incredible. I mean, and, and I can see definitely why you know that that feeling like you had had a part to play in the club and that mm. responsibility why that would elevate you know your level and yeah I think because I think it, it was something that obviously went on every single year you know a new intake of, of apprentices came in every year and then first year moved to second years and it, it sort of went on like that and then so the, so the values of, of that not just at Barnes but every club pretty much did it, did it that way I think we're we're, we're good for, for young people if you like at that point to, to, to experience that level of to say organisation, teamwork, whatever you want to call it, discipline, camaraderie, certainly had, had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and it did stand you in good stead then because, again, football was different back then. You know, mm. it, it was a much more, there's no way around it, it was probably a much more brutal and, and um, doggy, doggy environment back then. Um, you know, styles of coaching were very different. Some of the things that, that kind of went on, you definitely wouldn't want to see now. Um, but again, some, some of the stuff, would, would stand you in good stead um, and I think it, for me what I think the main thing I took from that experience the two years of, of an apprenticeship was at, at that, that level and what it was was I very quickly realised or worked out kind of what my strengths might be yeah. as an individual not, not so much as a player but as an individual and what I might need to do to you know kind of overcome the, the psychological barriers if you like to, to mm. give myself a chance to which was the ultimate aim to, to become a professional, which, you know, again, fortunate for me, I, I managed to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's incredible, and I'm, I'm a very um, amazed always at the, 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 the levels that it requires, but also just the, the hard work that professionals put in mm. to get to get there, because you know, sometimes it's easy for us as bystanders to look on and yeah. see, see the end product but yeah. not the work that's gone gone in behind and it's interesting isn't it as well that um, you know and not knocking any fan because they, they're absolutely you know pay your money make choice and you and you, you, you talk to your opinion but I, it's interesting sometimes when I'm, I'm at games and I, and I hear you know professional footballers getting you know a merciful stick or even mm. on social media now oh he's rubbish he's this he can't do listen if you can get to any level to play the game you've got something you know yeah. and, uh, and I think Again, more so, you know, now there's probably, a, again, the difference being that there's probably a lot more, 
probably a lot more competition now, I think, to actually make it because there's a lot more lads go through the system. Yeah, yeah. Squads were smaller back in those days, intakes were smaller. I think clubs were probably a little bit more choosy on who they did take. Whereas now, you know, some of the, some of the squad sizes in, in Premier League, especially you know, 70, 80 players that are at the, at the club on some sort of a professional contract, yeah. full time contract. So it's, it's difficult. Um, and, you know, as I said, go back to what I said before, if you, if you make it to a, a level of that sort of level, and you, you've got something about you, you've got ability, and you've also got, a, yeah. a, I'd say, a real strong fortune in mind as well. Yeah, and I think that will feed in later to, to possibly issues around Monday football, and we'll have mm. that chat as well. Yeah. Um, but for you, you know, after that apprenticeship, you, you get your chance in the, the, the first team. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, people always say to me, what, what was the highlight of your career? Well, the highlight from my career was, was, was my first appearance, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, don't get me wrong, I had quite a modest career anyway, I know that, but as a, as a child, you know, you want to be a footballer, or I wanted to be a footballer, never really thought that it would happen, yeah. um, even up to the point of, I think, when I, when I joined Barnsley, I was still a little bit, I'm not sure if I can kind of do this, um, but then you, you obviously strive to, to achieve it, and then, yeah, I, um, my debut was, was 83, away at Fulham, it was a, a Tuesday night game, towards the end of the season, the, the team had a real good season. Uh, just just dropped off a little bit towards the end of the season, and we had a few injuries, people missing. And uh, it was interesting because the, the the manager, it was Norman Hunter at the time, who was a big hero of mine because I was a Leeds fan when I was yeah. when I was a kid. He used to go to all the games. Um, he was the manager, and uh, he was thinking of playing himself. Now he'd not played for about nine months yet. He, last time he played, I think he'd come off injured. But he used to join in training. He was still quite fit, and, and he noticeably sort of stepped up a little bit of training for for a couple of weeks because that that sort of there was going to be some some suspensions and injuries and stuff coming up. And then so we I'd been in the squad a couple of times, not not got not got in. Um, and then the squad was announced for for that particular game. I think on a Monday we we travelled down on the Tuesday morning, stayed in a hotel, and there was three of us and myself. Uh, Two lads from, from my sort of age group, Steve Short uh, and Ernie time who were in the squad, and we're kind of thinking, well, one of us is probably gonna, at least one of us is probably going to play here. <laughs> and I was thinking it would be Steve because there was gaps in midfield, and, and I'm thinking, well, you know, the manager will play himself. And uh, we'd gone down to this hotel, and you're supposed to have a bit of a kip and a rest in the afternoon. I don't think we did. Me and Steve were in a room together, and <laughs> I always remember we came out to go to the game. And got in the lift, and as we got in the lift, Norman Hunter went in the lift with us. Mm. So we sort of stood there, and it's one of those where, again, back in those days, obviously loads of respect for him, but a little bit of fear as well because he's the manager, <laughs> and you're 18, and you kind of stood there, you know. And he just sort of turned around to me and he said, uh, "How how do you feel?" I went, "Oh, I feel yeah, I feel good, yeah, he said, oh, good." He said, "Cause you're playing tonight," <laughs> and everything just went, like, you know. And um, and he said to Stephen, "So are you?" Um, so in the end, he decided not to play himself, and I played alongside Mick McCarthy. Um, so we had a few injuries. Steve played in midfield, and Fulham at that time were going for promotion. They were a strong side, real, really good side. And we, we lost the game one nil. Um, but I always remember. I can remember the game vividly. I can remember, you know, the feeling of, of sort of going out there. Um, I can remember, you know, coming home and, and sort of being really just just that proud that I played it. If, if nothing else, I played one game as a professional footballer and that was, incredible. for me, that was, you know, yeah, incredible. Um, but then fortunately, I, I played again on the Saturday, uh, home game, we, we got some injuries, some people came back. So I played centre-half in the first game on, on the Tuesday and then I played right-back, we played Blackburn at, at home here. 
and play one more time before the end of the season against Charlton at home. Um, so yeah, that was and I, because of that, you know, the manager pulled me in and, and said, "Look, we're going to give you a new contract." And I, I just signed a, a one-year deal when I when I finished my apprenticeship. So you, again, you're kind of striving to, yeah. to to get something more. And um, yeah, I signed a two-year contract, no, which was probably a force because. I, uh, I wrecked my knee the year after and missed the whole season. So. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's part, part of the game, isn't it? It is, yeah, 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 of course yeah. it is. Uh, and so you talked about that, that, that what brilliant for first team debut. Was it always the, the dream then to be, I mean, I, I, you said obviously you're a Leeds born and bred mm. and that was a, the, the t- team you sported. Was, the dream always to make it there at Barnsley to, to play regularly. Yeah, it, well, it, yeah, it was, and, and, and again, interesting. So yeah, I grew up a Leeds family. All my family are, are, are Leeds fans. We used to go to the game. My sister used to take me to, to the games. My dad went. My brother went. Um, we all went different parts of the ground, um, and um, yeah, it, you know that, that that was my team, which that's where I grew. That's what I'd expect. When I interesting enough, when I first joined Barnsley, when I was saying before about sort of a associate school boys. And the manager was Alan Clark, who again, ex Leeds United, was, mm. you know, a, a big sort of hero of mine at the time. And um, just as I was about to to join as an apprentice and I'd agreed to join, he left to go to Leeds to become the Leeds manager. And him and his assistant, Martin Wilkinson, and um, Martin ran me up and said, "Look, you know, we'll offer you to come here, come to Leeds. It's, it's, it's you know, hometown club. Uh, literally one bus ride away." Uh, hometown club um, they offered me they actually offered me a better deal mm. the bands were offering me a two year apprenticeship and that was it and kind of see how you go it's, it's up to you then Leeds offered me a two year apprenticeship plus a one year deal as a pro so so I, I knew kind of that was going to be there but at that point I, I just I enjoyed it so much here I, I'd you know I'd got a lot of friends I liked the club I liked I liked the people I just liked everything about it and the temptation was oh you know it's Leeds kind of thing mm. Um but I turned it down and, and stayed where I was, and I certainly don't regret it. Yeah, I don't regret it. But yeah, one, once I came to, to Barnes, it, it was like I say first year. You're just unsure. You're a young kid. You know, you're straight out of school. And, and when I look back now and think about some of the, the things that go through your mind as a 16 year old in, in that kind of environment, um, you know, it, you probably don't understand it. Well, you definitely don't understand it. It takes you a little while, and then. Like probably a few months in, I started to get my head around it, understood, you know, full-time training, <laughs> being in in the morning, doing all the jobs, training, doing all the jobs, getting home late, getting up next day, tiring and all that kind of stuff, and just just really kind of get your head around it. And um, and then, I, as I say, I, I fairly quickly realised what I needed to do, I think what, what my strengths might or might not be to give myself a chance to, to sort of play or, or get a chance to play. And I think, again, I, I was forced, I had a, I had a really good... Um, Youth team manager Bobby Collins, who who was was a great mentor and um, really again ex Leeds United and, and and you know well respected in the game, but but really kind of gave you that gave you that drive to succeed if you understand what I mean, and mm. he sort of instilled that in you. Um, could be quite fierce at times, Bobby. <laughs> could be quite fierce, um, and I think some some lads perhaps buckled under that a little bit but I, I didn't and um, so I got a real good grounding and, and got chances to play in, in, the, in the junior side and in the reserve side and I had actually before I played in the first team I had trained a few times and as I said I'd been put in the squad 
a couple of times and um so so I knew I was towards the end of my apprenticeship but I kind of knew I was in and around and I might have a chance you know yeah, yeah. but until it actually comes you, you don't believe it yeah until, it, until you're actually there and, and if somebody sent me a picture not so long ago of, of after the game at, at Fulham as, as I'm kind of coming off the pitch and um it, it, it's an interesting pitch because I, I know I'm kind of in my mind I'm thinking we've lost the game I'm disappointed we've lost the game but also I'm I'm actually quite chuffed that I've, I've played you know yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it's, it's a memorable occasion oh that's that's, a, that's special <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I mean you stay at Ponzi for, for a couple of years after that yeah uh, I, I was there up until I was 20 uh, I was 22 when I left um, yeah Look, I, I was a bit. I'm not naive. I, I was, I was fortunate to be at the club at a time when the minor strike was on, and this area was was pretty tough. Um, you know, money was, was 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 scarce. The club didn't have a great deal of money, um, so it probably made sense for him to keep a lot of us together yeah. rather than go out and you know like now. But having said that, you, you didn't really get the turnover of players and squads that you do now anyway. You know, lads would would, would tend, to, tend to stay at clubs. You know. For a good period of time, um, but I'd always, I always, I knew I was, I was probably never going to be uh, a regular. I was always capable of stepping in and playing a few games here, mm. a few games there. Quite adaptable, so I could play right back, left back, centre half, played in midfield. Um, so I kept picking up appearances and playing, um, but I was probably never going to be a regular. If you, if you understand yeah. what, what yeah. I mean, um, that's not to say that I wasn't happy to stay because I was. Um, but at that point, Alan Clark had come back as manager, and in his first season, he, he was great with me. I played a lot of games for him. Um, you know, fine. In fact, I probably played the most games in, in one season for, for him. And then, for whatever reason, we came back the year after, and there were myself and two or three others just it's a bit like that at the time. We just probably cold shoulder. We just didn't get a chance. Didn't get a chance in pre-season or any of the games. I was just training, playing the reserves, and um, no real sort of indications as to why that was uh, I still had a couple of years left on, on a contract um, but it was um, first of all actually Stockport came and asked me to go there on, on loan because one of our ex-players a guy called Ronnie Glavin was there okay. yeah. Glavin got in touch and said come on loan and I was going to go and then the club blocked that I don't know why but they blocked it they wouldn't let me go um, and then a couple of weeks later pulled me into the office and said um, crew Alexandra had been to a game that I played in reserves I think the week before and uh, was interested in me going on loan and I was just happy to go and play some football if I'm honest yeah, with you yeah. so I, I didn't know a great deal about crew at that point they were what was the old fourth division is now the second division um, and obviously at that point had not had a great kind of recent history of struggle for re-election and stuff like that um, but I was like yeah sure I'll, I'll go and play and um, went there initially for a month really enjoyed it it's a great bunch of lads. Lads were very similar to myself, very similar yeah. age group. A lot of lads that had uh, perhaps not quite caught at certain clubs and got released or whatever. So uh, we also had a bit of a, bit of a bunch of misfits who, who wanted to prove a point. I think the manager at the time liked that in in in, in what he saw in people. And then I, I had a month, came back, and um, crew wanted me to stay, and, and I had no real idea of why, but. The manager wouldn't let me do that initially. He said, no, I want you to come back. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll get a chance now. Mm. Um, but again, a couple of weeks later, I, I sort of knew that. I don't know why, but I just knew that wasn't going to be the case. I was just going to be kicking around in reserves. And then um, eventually came to me and said, look, 
crew went to go back for another month. Went back another month, and then Dario asked me if I'd like to stay and sign me. Um, Barnes wanted some sort of a fee. I'm still not sure exactly what. Somebody said it was about fifteen thousand. I don't know. Um, and the story was that they needed to pay the lights, the, the electric bill, <laughs> <laughs> which would probably be about true, to be fair. So I signed for for crew in '87, I think something like that. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was I was a little bit sad to leave because, you know, I'd I'd come here as a as a still as a child, really at sixteen, and and sort of gone through a lot of things. Had some great friends here who I'm still in contact with now. You know that those two years of an apprenticeship at that point things that, that just stick within your mind you know yeah. just just the whole thing of camaraderie and, and being together so I was a bit disappointed um, probably probably a little bit angry as well which is a natural emotion when, when you, you kind of leave a club because you feel a bit a little bit rejected um, but crew was crew was perfect for me I think to go there like I said because of the bunch of lads that were there and, and you know the, the early sign don't get me wrong the, the first year I was there we we never really struggled, but it was the first year where where somebody actually went out of the league for the first time. Oh, okay. It was re-election, and um, we were always sort of mid-table, hovering around near the bottom. Um, but we were never really in any danger of, of going down. And in the end, it came down the last day. Funny enough, it was Burnley who nearly went down and out of the league that year. Um, and in the end, it was Lincoln who who went out. We we. We actually went on the last day to Torquay because they could have gone out mm. if if we had beaten them. We were two 0 up, um, so they were going down. They were going down out of the league, and they they got back to well, they got back to two one, and then again, if you look at it on YouTube, you can see it. Um, famous incident where a police dog bit one of their players <laughs> as, as he was taking a throw in. So there's a bit of a delay in the game. Uh, like a ten minute delay, or whatever. Well, he, well, he patched him up and sorted him out, and in those ten minutes added on. They managed to get an equaliser and stay up. Uh, in fact, I think there was a documentary about it, you know. Probably, I'm sure, I I'm there sure was, I've heard of it. There was a documentary, yeah, yeah on, on, on something. And um, so so that was that first year. But then the year after, we, we did a lot better. And you could just see the signs of what Dario was trying to achieve then. Mm. You know, what, what you see at that club now is very much what, what his vision was. I remember he got me into coaching, really, because he, he asked me to come and do some coaching on a night. Um, at that point, they just had a little tiny astroturf at the back of the stand. But his vision was, I'm going to build an academy, we're going to have kids coming through, we're going to grow it, we're going to make our own players, we'll sell them, we'll grow the infrastructure. You know, big ideas for, for back then. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly what he achieved uh, and the club achieved. Um, so the, the, the my, in my second full year was the year that we, we really kind of kicked on and um, managed to get promotion, which was the first time I think they'd had promotion in something like 30 odd years. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, which which again is is great. I did a podcast last summer actually with um, with the guys across the do the podcast across the crew and it was sort of an 80, 88, 89 special where they they got three or four of us together that played that year and they just went through the season and it's just great to reminisce about it. Yeah, because when you're playing in it and, and don't forget we were, we were all very similar sort of early to mid twenties. You just makes playing football if the truth's known. Yeah, you are. You just makes playing football and and because we. Again, we had a real good squad, a real bunch that stood together. And then, don't be wrong, you, you know, you, you enjoy it, you win promotion, that's fantastic, and you, and you see it from that side. What you don't see and what you don't understand is what it actually means to the fans. And even after sort of 30 odd years, it's still a big thing, you know, yeah. for, for some of them, because, you know, they're saying, well, that, that kick started everything that went on then, you know, crew won more promotions, got in the championship, had five years in the championship, which you 
what's it all unheard of now, produced all these great players. And possibly that, that was the start of it, you know? Yeah, incredible. I, I mean, that, that's got to be a special moment, getting promotion. And yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really proud of my time at Crew and, and getting a lot of affection for, for the club and, you know, people that were there. And, and I'm quite fortunate, a few of the lads that, that I was with there were still in a little WhatsApp group. We still, I met up with one of the lads that I've not seen for, I think, 30 odd years, Paul Fishing, then down in London uh, uh, back in um, sort of April time. And it's like you've never been apart, you know. We yeah. just meet up with each other, and stories come out. You, you just never lose that bond, I think, and, and especially when you've gone through something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, like I said, at the time, you don't really realise the magnitude of it, but looking back, you go, "Well, actually, that's quite a big thing for crew at the time." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to, to win promotion. So, and, and I mean, we'll go for a for a, uh, skip a little bit of time here. Mm. I hope you don't mind, but. No uh, so nearly a hundred appearances for Crew, followed yeah. by Rochdale. Yeah. Uh, nearly eighty appearances for them, and then comes a, a big moment in in your yeah. career where you go from Rochdale to Hyde in mm. in, in what, what we now call like non league football. Tell us what what's that experience like going, particularly at that time in the the early nineties, mm. down from. The, the full time football, yeah. football, yeah. So, my, it was my choice, uh, which again, interesting enough, through some of the research I've done in the last few years, that you know, choice and non choice about how you come out of the game and kind of a big effect on you psychologically um, when you transition out of the game. But at that point, I was sort of, I had an option for another two year contract across at Scarborough, and because um, again, one of the lads I used to play with was, was a cross as assistant manager. And um, but at the time, I, I kind of thought, well, I'm being realistic. I'm twenty. I think I was twenty-seven then. I'm probably not going to get back to any high level of the game. And the money back then was was nothing like it is now, even in the lower leagues. Yeah. You know, it was okay. Don't get me wrong. And I, I was making more than comfortable living, and it was absolutely fine. But I was never going to earn those types of money. And I thought, well, I'm never going to. Doubt somebody's going to come in and from a championship club now and say, 27, 28, 29 year old, let's take you back into the championship. Club I was with, Rochdale, again, all due respect, had struggled for a number of years. We had two good, really really good years then. I mean, again, you know, I sort of got to quite fancy FA Cup with them uh, one year and, and that's the furthest they've ever been. Um, but realistically, at some point, people get saying to me, you're going to need to get a proper job. Because yeah. that, was, that, was that was reality. You know, most people that came out of the game needed to get some other job and I was thinking well I could still play part time get paid reasonably well so I'm still playing a decent level of football because I watched Karen playing obviously um, and and I'll find something try and find something that I can do or that I want to do that it's never going to replicate football but might, mm. might be of interest so I chose to do that Hyde uh, at the time were, were just were very local to where I lived literally up the road um, Again, the pyramid was different back then. So you had the conference, yeah. which you have now, and then what is now National League, North and South, that was basically where Hyde sat. Hmm. The, the, you had the leagues, I think Isthmian League and, and whatever, that was where that sat. So the standard was really good, um, really good. And then the pay was okay as well for, for part-time football. So it, it ticked a lot of boxes. And it, the non-league kind of gave me two or three years of trying to find something from a work-wise point of view that, that I could try and settle on and know that I would do for the next period of, t- period of time in my life. Um, 
But there were times when it was like, oh, have I made the right choice here? And, and at one point I could have possibly gone back in full time, but, but decided it's probably still the same thing, you know, two year contract somewhere here or another year here or whatever. It was, it was probably not going to happen for me, you know. Um, so that, that was my decision to, to, to kind of do that way. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and your experience of non-league football Brilliant. in Liverpool? Brilliant. Yeah. I love non-league. I love playing non-league. I love. I love. That's why I like coaching it now. I love the honesty of it. Um, you know, lads that are. It means a lot. You want to win the games. You know, I certainly did when I when I played and, and played played some really good games against some really good players. You know, like I said, good standards, some, some really good crowds and, and stuff like. That. So not a great deal of difference really in the in the levels of football. But the difference was that I think you know lads were. I was wanted to win, but there was a bit more of a social aspect to it afterwards. You know, you'd go in the bar like yeah. like, like you used to in the old days. At, you know, here at Bans, we used to go up into the bars and into into town and stuff like that, and you'd have a drink, and you sort of knew each other on on the circuit of that. Uh, people were a lot more. I found a lot more friendlier around clubs when you went to other clubs. Yeah, uh, less less sort of tribal rivalry, if you like. Um, and I really enjoyed playing in non-league. I mean, I, I played for a further. Well, for six years at non-league like I spent three years then went to High went to Accrington um, and then went to Buxton and had three years at, at, at Buxton and um, like I say I, I would have probably carried on playing but for I was starting to struggle towards the end of my career with, with a knee injury that, that caught me from when I was 19 and um, so again in the end I decided to stop playing quite early I stopped playing when I was 32 really mm. um, but I, I I wanted to stay within non-league and, and, and that environment and that's again I'd, I'd always coach so kind of a natural progression to then step into coaching you know yeah, yeah. and I mean that's what we'll go to talk, talk about next is, mm. is your co- coaching and then sort of making you making your way up into more senior roles as assistant manager and and, and, and now manager mm. uh, of, a, of a side but you, you to different I've got as assistant manager I've got a few different stints mm. at Trafford Tr- Trawley uh, Salford City and Rosendale. Mm. So, so wh- how does that come come about? First, so, I, so I th- my first coaching stroke managing was actually towards the end of my time at Buxton, and uh, I got asked to do the job on a caretaker player manager basis, uh, which I, I did towards the end of the season. And then, I really, I made the mistake by agreeing to stay on to do it the year after, which was just it, nothing against the club. It just just wasn't wasn't right for me it was, it was just too much I was trying to play I was trying to coach I was trying to earn a living elsewhere and all that kind of stuff so that lasted about four or five months and then um, I spent a period of time really where I, I was still coaching a friend of mine was working at Man City and I used to do a bit down there on, on an evening but not that heavily involved and then I, I bumped into a lad called Mark Molyneux who um, was the manager at the time at Trafford uh, well known in non-league circles around Manchester as a bit of a character goalkeeper <laughs> well known um, and he just said to me look I, I need somebody coming out and do some coaching at Trafford I've just got the job would you be interested um, again he, he was sort of, he was going away on holiday so he needed somebody to look after the team for a couple of weeks so I agreed to do that and then um, ended up staying with him through all those clubs uh, I mean a real close friend of mine to this day um, we were at Trafford to start with had a bit of reasonable success won a uh, won a couple of cups, and then Charlie actually approached him. Charlie were Charlie were a big club, you know, I mean, yeah. national league now, um, uh, North, and um, but we're we're sort of struggling at that point. They dropped down the, the leagues a little bit and, and wanted to kind of rebuild. And um, they approached him to go as manager. 
he agreed to go, asked me to go with him, I did. Again, we had a great time at Chorley, sort of good 18 months, two years. Uh, almost got promoted, got to the playoff final and lost oh, wow. penalties. That <laughs> uh, close. And then, and then he uh, he came out there, We he went to Salford, because uh, he's a Salford boy and he used to play for Salford. So I went in there with him uh, for the first time. Um, but that was it. He, he, he agreed to that on a short term basis because I think they were, they were looking for a new manager anyway. He said, I don't want the job, I want to have a bit of a break. Did have a bit of a break for a few months. And we ended up at Rosendale, who unfortunately are no longer going, which is a shame because Rosendale was a really nice club up in the uh, hills in Lancashire, a real nice little ground and lovely people. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something you're seeing more and more, unfortunately, yeah. in modern day football yeah. clubs. Yeah, I think the ground's still just about there. I think I saw somebody post some photographs not long ago, it's all overgrown or anything now, which is a real shame, but um, yeah, it was a lovely, lovely club. Um, but again, all those clubs, I, I was there as sort of assistant manager stroke coach with him. Mm. So, uh, you know, I kind of got free reign on, on, on what I wanted to do with the coaching, um, which was good. And then um, he sort of stepped aside because he, his business, he got his own business, uh, self-employed, and then um, just couldn't commit to the time. I actually went back to Salford again, funny enough, uh, a lad who was, a lad who was the manager then asked, asked me to go and help him do some coaching. Um, they just got promoted to... It would have been uh, probably either stick north or whatever, or Division One there in the counties, and um, they, they they sacked him halfway through. It was a bit un, unfair at the time mm. because they were kind of struggling a little bit, but not not right down there. Yeah. And they asked me to sort of take over again as 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 manager, caretaker manager, if you like. And I think although it was only six games, and, and I knew I wasn't going to be there for any length of time, I think what it did for me was. It, it sort of made me think again, well actually yeah, I do want to stay involved in this and I do want yeah. to perhaps progress myself and and, 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 and coach again, you know, and, and, or coach a lot more. Um, so when I came out of there, uh, I said the, the appointment manager, I, I moved on and, and then I went back to Trafford with, with again a lad who the first time I was at Trafford used to play in the team and um, we had a real, real good spell there, uh, got the club promoted again, won a cup, well won two cups actually. Um, and then got promoted for the first time ever uh, in their history up to the, what is now um, Northern Prem, yeah. uh, which was you know a big achievement for a, for a club that size really when you, you go in and play against some of the teams that are in there. Um, and then in the put at eighteen seventy four North, which is where I where I am now. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about that in in a, in a second and mm-hmm. uh, how you're finding that uh, now. But I'm really just interested interested in asking. What's that experience now seeing Salford who have made it into mm. you know, the, the modern day structure of the football league and now yeah. you know, not only were you there as, as a coach but also you were a caretaker manager and made just the six games but knowing that you mm. played a part in, in that journey. Yeah, a real, a real microscopic part I suppose and a very different journey and different trajectory to the club back then to what it was uh, obviously once the takeover happened. Yeah. You know, Salford, um, Salford at that time uh, we're just a really, really nice club, you know, right in the heart of the community, um, run by some fantastic people, committee ran, most of them still technically involved, I think, behind the scenes there, I'm not sure what, what level of involvement they have, but I know they're still, they're still part of the club, which is great. Um, but it, it, the ambitions at Salford then were probably always going to be, you know, sort of Northern Prem hmm. one, if possible, to get a chance to get Northern Premier. The, but their budget and crowds would dictate that at that, yeah. that particular time. 
Um, so seeing it now, and, and it's interesting because I, I do know a few of the people that, that are now involved. Um, a couple of lads that I used to play with are involved behind the scenes on uh, with the um, sort of youth team and, and um, on the U23s and stuff like that. And it's a so I do go down there occasionally. It, it, it's a totally different setup now, obviously, yeah. totally, and a totally different feel to it. You know, the, the ground. You look at the ground. Is I don't think there's one bit of it that's the same as as, as when you know when I was there and, and sort of way back, but. I think it's great for the. There's a couple of things to it. I think I think it's great in one respect that it sort of highlights that a club of that ilk yeah. can do what they've done, tempered with realization that there's a lot of money gone in there yeah, to, to do that, you know. Um, and as long as that stays the same, it stays sustainable, and they keep growing in the community, then great. As long as somebody doesn't all of a sudden decide that it's not what they're going to do anymore. Yeah, yeah, and start backing out of it, and then it goes sliding backwards. Because I think now with the setup, I'm not sure how that would pan out for them if, if that happened. I hope it doesn't. I generally hope it doesn't because I've had some really nice people that, that are involved and go to watch Salford. Um, but it is a totally different animal now to, to what it was, without a doubt. Yeah. Really well run. Um, like I say, some great people that are involved with it now, and are definitely looking to, to you know progress the club. I can see that. Um, and hopefully they, they will do that, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's, it's interesting to watch from an outside, outside perspective. Well, obviously, uh, back back when I was uh, I was born, you know, the Salford were were, were, were making starting that that sort of journey, yeah. and you know, to, to see that where they are now, mm. uh, and and you know, when I did my research for, for, to, to, for the interview here with, with you, you know, to, to see how far they even come even further that, yeah. in that time, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful to see uh, as a non-league, sporting a non-league club mm. myself, uh, you know, you often in the, the dark times when, you know, you're on a losing streak and it, is, it seems like, oh, we can never get up to Where, the next division. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course you do, yeah. And you and see turned. clubs like that and you think... It goes in cycles, doesn't it? Yeah. It does go in cycles. Any club, it goes in cycles. Um, I mean, I think I think Sobber's ambition is to try and get to a championship level. I think that was the sort of stated ambition. I might be wrong on that, but, you know, is that realistic? Probably, if, if you know, if they yeah. keep going as they are and they keep... I know they've had a bit of flack over the couple of years because they've sort of stayed in, in the same division and not made the playoffs or made promotion, but you've got to realise that it becomes tougher, obviously, as you go higher. Yeah. And they, you know, under Bernard and Jono, they, they had unbelievable success to go through the leagues like they did, whether they had money or not, or whatever they did. But for those two to take that club through to the levels as quickly as they did, that's that, that's some going, is that? And, and I, I, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with the club maybe settling to a point now as to where they are. Yeah, you know, get, get your feet a little bit and then whether they'll try and kick on again this year and, and, and go for promotion I'm sure they will I'm sure that's the, the ambition um, but sometimes they, these things take a bit more time than you actually expect them to do and, and you know, sometimes you're better off for it yeah yeah, definitely and, and, and going back to, to you and, and where you are now so you're with 1874 Northwich mm-hmm. um, a little trek from here a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. That, that's my choice. I mean, it, it didn't used to be. I, I, when I lived over in Manchester, it was sort of half an hour, thirty-five minutes, uh, and I live here in Barnsley, and um, so it's an hour and a half. Um, but that's that's fine. That's my choice. Um, in fairness, if I'm if it's a normal week for me, once the once I get back to, to sort of teaching in the university, then I'm over there anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's not it's not that bad. Um, and I'll be honest with you, if I didn't enjoy it so much and I didn't 
I didn't like the club, the people that um, are involved there, the, the, the players every around it, then then I wouldn't do it. But yeah. The fact is, I, I enjoy it so much that it's a big part for me. So the, the hour and a half journey is nothing. Yeah, it's, it's all in perspective, isn't it? Once, once if you if you like something, you enjoy something, then actually the the, the yeah. s- they become smaller. The issues, of course, they do. Issues. Of course, they do. Yeah, of course they do. And, and how does that originally? How does that come about? Because you're a uh, start there as a coach. Yeah, first. yeah. Well, so again, I, I was sort of I was contemplating having a break. I was contemplating like, well, shall I maybe do something a bit different? At that point, I was thinking about. Um, going back to some sort of education, which eventually I did, but and I was looking at it, thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should go and do that and then come back to the coaching. And then um, the guy was the manager, I called Ian Street, who I, who I knew. Um, again, just got in contact me, said, would you like to come do a bit of coaching for me? Um, I agreed to do that. Went down. Um, kind of suited me at, at that time because I literally was just coaching. Um, who I'm co-managing now with, with Paul Bowyer, he was the assistant, so I didn't really have any input into the team, just put the sessions on, and that was fine, I sort of quite enjoyed that. And then Ian left towards the end of the season, and uh, the club asked Paul and myself would we look after the team during the season, uh, a bit of a theme here because we weren't up winning a cup. <laughs> um, uh, sort of had an alright into the season, and, and then they came to us and said, look, we, we'd like you two guys to, to, to take it on, and... Um, we had a, a real good discussion about how we thought it would work as co-managers, mm. um, what you know, what our responsibilities would be, etc., etc., and then um, decided we'd we'd take it, and there we are, six seasons later. You know, it's it's been a really enjoyable. It's probably been the most enjoyable period of coaching that I've had. Yeah, I'm honest with you. Um, and I think there's a number of factors for that. I think again, great people at the club, really well-run club. It's fan-owned. Um, we 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 don't have any we, we have pressure obviously to perform and, and to win games of course we do but we don't have some of the pressures that, that some clubs have yeah. um, you know we're very much left to, to sort of manage it how we see it um, get real good support on things that we we ask for for a lot of things and get most things that we ask for so you can't argue with that either yeah yeah um, and I say it's just a really enjoyable environment and, and I think I've been fortunate there in that as well in the, in the five six years. We just had some really good players, and, and I would say it doesn't matter what you are as a coach or whatever. If you've got good players, then you look like a good coach. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, and um, for me, again, we've been quite successful. We we won a couple of cups. Uh, we 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 would have won the league a couple of years ago. We were well clear at the top, um, and um, and then COVID hit. So initially, the, the league was null and void, which was really disappointing. Um, but then the year after they decided that they would restructure anyway and, and we got moved up which was the right thing so we, we got a promotion we got to the semi-finals of the Vars one year and uh, got beat by the eventual winners so we've, we've sort of had an, had an okay few yeah. years you know and um, it's interesting because people are a bit disappointed in last season and I am as well but it's the highest league position we've ever had first time ever in, in that particular league and we I think we finished 12th something like that um, and people are a little bit disappointed because we didn't actually achieve or win something um, like I, said, I, I was a little bit when you put it into perspective when you come off the back of the scene and you sit and you think well actually it's probably okay that yeah. like I was just saying yeah, before, yeah. May, maybe you have to go understand that sometimes you just do okay and then you can maybe try and go again and um, and, and build on that um, well there's an element to which isn't there sometimes if you you make 
try and make that step further Too and quick. you miss miss it and uh, then there's an element to which you know people around the club players fans see see oh well we should be up there already and, yeah and, and you know you can see it in the football league sometimes so when teams miss out on that promotion players will make the step up anyway to, yeah and of course and you, will. you end up one step backwards yeah, yeah of course so. you will. of course you will. and you know for us i mean what, what how do you measure success well you know for us as a club we, we've seen success with Young players that we've had come in the team that have moved on, and, and you know we've had a couple of lads that have. One has just gone. One has just gone into Salford. A, a young lad um, got himself a couple of years deal, which is brilliant. Um, we've had other lads that have moved up in, in the leagues this year and years previous. Um, so that's kind of our, our model. That's how we have to do it. We we haven't got the money that some of the clubs have got yeah. in our division, um, so we have to try and generate our own players. And we've had a quite a successful under twenty one setup last couple of years. Um, who've generated players and, and I mean at the moment we just started pre-season five of that squad from last year and now in our squad two of them are, are, are in the team and, and you know will probably stay in the team for, for next season without a doubt and there's a couple of us that could do that so you get success that way I think and, and again fortunately for us with, with the club that's the way they view it as well you know they're, they're quite happy that we that's our model in the area and, and we can we can provide that platform for young players you know that's brilliant. Uh, and is there a, I mean, six, seven years there, is there a standout moment for you that, that a highlight? Uh, I, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that the, the highlight would be the, the, the year that we would have won the league. Hmm. Um, just from the fact that the, the players were just so consistent and, and were really good in the way that went about things we, we, we lost two league games out of 36 I think that was all that's impressive um, we'd had a uh, sort of like a 17 match unbeaten run when the season was called to an end so I'd say as a, as a as a piece I would say that as an individual highlight some people would say well what about the Vars run that was great what about the Vars semi-final because we had a good crowd I, I also say the same one we played Mosley in the FA Cup in our first season uh, and I know at the time when we took over there were there were a few people who were a little bit doubting as to whether we were the right people to take the job and yeah. there were some comments about oh the team's going to struggle and it's this and that and again we brought some young players in um, and sort of put our faith in them and Mosley were with a division above us in the FA Cup and we went there and we equalised with about probably two or three minutes to go to make it 2-2 and it wasn't so much the fact that we equalised uh, and it wasn't it was a brilliant goal I just got it Sam Hine sort of tapped it in from in the six yard box but what always stuck with me and still sits with me now was I remember standing in the dugout and just we had so many fans there we, we, we do really well with our crowds they travel really well and the, the, the stand just sort of all spilled over and just it was, <laughs> it was a typical sort of limbs kind of a moment and that's when I thought actually yeah I think I think we're going to be okay here you know from a playing point of view and yeah, also yeah. the fans I think the fans are with the team now whereas initially they were a bit unsure about how the team might or might not be and that's something that's always stood out in mind that particular day and that particular moment of the equaliser, the reaction of people, and and sort of seeing it afterwards. And and then we actually we, we brought them back to, to our place, beat them two 0 beat them well, um, and got through another couple of rounds of the FA Cup and sort of had a nice little run in it, which was which was quite nice. And that that kind of tears up for the for the season and then and then the, the following two seasons really. Oh, that's brilliant. And and I mean, what what a moment. I mean, there, there's just nothing like the the, the atmosphere of. 
at whatever level, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. do the same. You go and watch your team in the FA Cup. It's a different level, isn't it? It's, it's just it's something else. And I mean, you know, we talk about the, the how special you know, cut runs or giant giant killers mm. they're called can, can be, but often just the, the simple games, you know, two teams at the yeah. same level, and yeah. you, you get yeah. that a real honest game, yeah. and you win it or something like that. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. just good. It's just a good feeling. And, and I mean, we've we've alluded to it, or you've alluded to it over the the, the previous conversations we had, but. You, you you got another role going on at the same same time. You're a, a lecturer at um, University Campus for foot, of Football Business. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Some people have gone. What is that? <laughs> well done. You do I, research. I, like. I have a I have a friend who's um, on one of the campuses. All right, Wembley. Yeah, Wembley. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know I know just about what it is. Yeah. Um, but for for those who who don't know, mm. would would you mind explaining? Yeah. Okay. So so UCFB. I mean, again, it, before I sort of go through it. When I talked about, I um, I thought about doing some sort of qualification. So six years ago, I decided I would do a degree. Mm. And when I looked around and thought, what do I want to do a degree in? What am I interested in? Well, I like coaching. I think I want to move away from, at that point, I would, I'd been working in recruitment for a number of years and, and I wanted, I just wanted to do something myself. And I wanted to do something with coaching. And um, UCFB were, were just opening at, um, at the Etihad in Manchester, Man City, because they'd been started off in Burnley. And um, I kind of went along and thought, I'll have a look and see what this is. All the degrees were, were football related, media, business, coaching, management, that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I applied. Now, <laughs> without doubt, I, 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 you know, I was the oldest student <laughs> in the campus. Um, but I got accepted, uh, did my undergraduate, had three great years there studying, really enjoyed it. Um, came out with the first. Uh, and, and probably halfway through it, it was, was what made me start thinking about well what else do I want to do with this degree because when I started I thought well I don't really know what I'm doing with it but I think mm. it'll help me with my coaching yeah. which it undoubtedly has um, and I sort of halfway through I thought I, I think I'd quite like to go into teaching but I'd like to teach in this environment yeah. I think this environment is better suited to me um, so I had some conversations with some of the lecturers there about what do I need to do and well, well you need a master's and you need a PGCE as well. Um, COVID was good for me. I know it wasn't great for most people. COVID was good for me because what it allowed me to do was I did a master's and a PGCE in the same year. Wow. Which I think without having the time to be able to sit and do that, yeah. I, I would have struggled, but I, I managed to get it done. Um, and then I was fortunate to get offered a, a role there uh, back in sort of eight, uh, 12, 14 months ago. Got offered a role. I, I was already kind of in there coaching. Uh, we have a full-time academy program as well for for, for the football, and uh, some real good good lads in there that that we, that we work with. So I was doing that anyway. I was coaching the academy team, and um, then I got offered to do some teaching, um, and that kind of got me in there. So anybody that that really has got ambitions to be in the football industry, um, and I'm not saying there's not other universities out there that do other courses, of course mm. they do, but as a very bespoke in that. You know, got a lot of links with with clubs, um, a lot of links with industry. I, think I saw a statistic the other day that something like eighty three percent of people who ninety percent of them graduate and have got jobs within six months, uh, and it's like eighty three percent or around that figure are actually working within football. So we have a lot that go into media, business, um, you know, coaching in, in in different environments and stuff like that. Um, and it's becoming more and more popular. I mean, you just said there, we've got the Wembley campus, Etihad, 
Miami opens in, in January, I think, uh, or September, I think Melbourne opens in, in, in January, and I know there's ambitions to, to look elsewhere and keep growing it. So, um, but again, it's interesting because a lot of people go, oh, I never heard that, I never heard that. And when you tell them, well, have you watched Champions League? You go, yeah. Have you ever seen the advert at half-time? Because you know, normally an advert on at half-time is quite a long one. You go, oh, yeah, <laughs> I just realised it. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, yeah. No, now you say it, it's just the clogs, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. worrying. Yeah. Uh, um, and I mean, you sort of alluded to it there, but why should someone go to particularly your your course that you hmm. do football and coaching well, and management? Money, yeah. yeah. Why why should someone come along and do that? Say then go approach a club and go straight yeah. in at the, 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 the deep end. Say, well, one, you're probably not going to get in at a club like that. You yeah. know. Football is still, still to this day, it's a lot more open than it was. Still to this day, football is a lot about making contacts, relevant contacts, mm. you know, having a, having a real good work ethic. And the way I always say to, to, to students I work with is if, if you and I are sat and you've got your level two coaching badge and I've got the same badge as well, we're both sort of level, coaching level, but I've got a degree that is in football coaching so I've studied the theory of it. I've mm. looked at you know some of the things that that might influence your coaching practice design or all that all that kind of stuff. Chances are, if, as long as I come across okay, if it's a 50-50 choice, chances are that they're going to go with me because you'd say well he's slightly more qualified because he's not yeah. just done the practical stuff. Is it? So that's the way I would always picture that. If you and listen, I think what's brilliant now is I see a lot of young coaches come through our our system. I, I was in the in a co-op with a few and they're really passionate about what they want to do they love the game they want to develop they want to you know, they want to coach they want to make a difference to people and I would say to me if you can if you can demonstrate that you've gone that little bit further you've taken a bit more interest in yourself and developed yourself then you're always going to get a chance yeah yeah it's not easy you know you have to do the hard yards in, in, in coaching and, and accept that probably early on you might not get paid that well you might do long hours, you might do unsociable hours, but if you show that willing and you've got an attitude and you've got an understanding of, of why you're doing what you're doing, then more often than not. And, I, and I've seen it, you know, last last few years, I, like yesterday I noticed on, noticed on LinkedIn that um, was, in, was in my cohort and uh, he just got himself a full-time job working at Man United, which is brilliant. There's other lads that have gone elsewhere, Stockport County, some at Salford. Um, seem up and down the country and, and so some real good success stories that have come out of our university within the industry yeah. you know and, uh, and I think that's why I would always say to people if you if you want to get into, into the football industry whatever level it is analysis you know anything then if you specialise in it chances are you're going to you're going to yeah. get a chance and it's up to you and, and I guess the wonderful thing about what, what you guys do is you not only do you get that, that theory but at the same time you can get that experience as, as well you, know, yeah. you mentioned about the, the the setup that they have there, and that there are you know youth youth squads and, and squads there. Yeah, so. yeah, they get lots of opportunities to go out and actually apply what they're doing. You know, go out to the clubs and, and you know field visits, see see the access to, to to professional clubs to watch training at, at places that they probably wouldn't get elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they see analysis going on. Um, you know, the media side of things is getting bigger and bigger now, so there's, there's quite a big. Um, a big push on that with, with people getting involved with clubs you know producing content for clubs websites you know match day stuff social media all that kind of thing if you think about it the, the, the possibilities to be involved in football are not just what you think it might be 
Yeah. There's so many industries or different levels of industries that are tied around it now, isn't there? You know. uh, it's, it's endless you, you, you don't realise until you, you dip, dip, dip your toe in the, the, actually there's it's, it's so expansive what, yeah. what clubs need it's and huge. what leagues and outside of that as well mm. it's huge, it's huge. Yeah. so I mean endless endless opportunities I don't know about everybody listening but I'm certainly sold so <laughs> <laughs> I'll sign you up yeah. <laughs> um, you're never too old yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there's, yeah, it's great to hear about just another aspect of, mm-hmm. of the, the football community and, and, and a different you know, way way in, and, mm-hmm. and that's just it's just wonderful that that, that avenue is there. Um, but we, we we do this every time we do a podcast. We do our little general football chat. You know, we'd like to spur a little bit of debate and controversy. Okay. We we love we love that. Um, but we're just gonna, just going to go through a few questions um, and see see how how what you think and whether. You, as an ex-professional footballer, have sort of differing opinions from you know, other people we might have interviewed before, and, and, and it'd be interesting to see. So, I mean, our usual first one is: if you were to have a five-side team, you know, you, you, any pick of any player through history, who are you putting in your five-side squad? Mm. Interesting. Um, can, I, can I come at a slightly different angle and go with players that I played with? Absolutely. Go. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, a five-side team. Uh, I'd go in goal. I would go a lad called Dean Greygoose, who I played with at, at Crew. Uh, he wasn't the biggest goalkeeper in the world, but was really agile, really brave, like all goalkeepers, a little bit, a little bit crazy as well. Um, <laughs> but was also quite good with his feet. And I think you need that in, the, in this day and age. Uh, I'd go with Paul Futcher, who I played with here at Barnsley, um, who. If he played now, it would be worth millions. Millions yeah. uh, was just so far ahead of his time in the way that he played the game. You know, people talk about our ball playing centre arms. Well, he was doing that back in the eighties, uh, late seventies, and the eighties. Um, real calm character and a really good lad. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, but a really, really great lad. Um, I think I'd go for uh, I'd go for another another Barnsley player in. Uh, as a forward, I go for David Geddes. David came to Barnsley, uh, played for Ipswich in the FA Cup final in 1970, was it 78, something like that, when they won it. Um, just a really good finisher. And, and uh, one of the lads who actually uh, taught me a lot about, about if you like, your inner self and, and your inner desire to, to kind of do that bit extra. You very often at that point, you, you train, he, he would stay. Or he'd go on a run, or he'd do something extra, mm. and you kind of watch him and think, because we all used to just shoot off and play a snooker or <laughs> mess about, and you think, well, why is that? And it's like, well, you know, focus on yourself a little bit more. Um, so I, I kind of took that from from, from him. Um, that's three I've got in it. So I have two more, can't I? Five side. Uh, I would go for. I played at Crew, um, the lad called Steve Walters who got inside Steve when, when we got promoted and he was, he was only 16 England Youth International um, just one of the best passes of all I've ever seen just just at 16 came into the team and, and sort of just took to it like a duck to water and, and you know was in the side on merit but just really good on the ball and, and clever with what he did with it so I think I think he'd keep the ball quite well uh, I wouldn't play myself because I, I, I was rubbish at five. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, one other goal, I'd probably go for one more from from Crew, and that'd be uh, that'd be Jeff Thomas, who was 
captain uh, when I first went to crew, moved on to Crystal Palace. I played for England in the end, Jeff as well. Uh, and he might be surprised why I put him in because he, he probably wouldn't look at him as a, as a typical five-a-side footballer. But what mm. Jeff always had was brilliant athlete, real absolute desire to, to be the best that he could be and a fierce competitive instinct. So... Yeah. I think that would be a really good five-side team from West Ham. It sounds good to me. <laughs> if, if, listen, if you're out there, look it up on YouTube. All those players, and they are, they're all good players. Trust me. Yeah, no doubt. But there will be. We'll, I'll do my research when I go home and good. Uh, <laughs> list when I listen back through. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're, while we're on predi- predictions, and, and, and I mean, it's coming out to that sort of the start of the season, so mm. uh, we like to chuck a few out there. But okay. if you were to look at the Premier League, Champions League, and World Cup winners for next season. Wow. Who, who do you think are going to be up there? I think for the Premier League, you, you, you have the obvious ones are going to be City. Hmm. Uh, you know, you look at the strength that's gone on there. I think I've just just sort of came out there. I think just pitched to um, Calvin Phillips getting getting rid of sign from his medical or whatever at City. Haaland coming in. You, you would expect that. They're only going to get stronger from what they were last year, and they were strong last year. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool again will be there, but I'm interested with, with teams like Spurs now and, and who they've signed, and, and I think Arsenal have improved. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I think they could have an impact on on perhaps taking points off off teams like City and Liverpool that have never, you know, they've perhaps not done in the last few seasons, and and that might just let somebody else in. Um, but I think if you're pushing me and saying you, you can only choose one, I, I would go with City again. Just yeah. because of the strength that they've, that they've got in depth, and I mean, as an Arsenal fan, it sounds nice that we might be able to do something. Maybe, yeah. maybe we're a couple of years yeah. away yet. I think they can impact it. I think they, like I say, them Spurs, you know, pick up a few more results that, that they, they should have done last year, and get a little bit nearer to the teams above, and then that has an impact on them. You never know. I'm not saying it's going to be a Leicester City season, but somebody could sneak through. But I just don't see it for a couple of years. I just don't see City getting any, yeah, any yeah. weaker. You know? Yeah, um, I can see that. And my boy's a City fan, so I would like them to win the Champions League. Um, yeah. Difficult to, to call that one right now because you don't know how the, the foreign teams are going to be. Mm. You never write any of them off, obviously. Um, but again, I probably I probably would like to see City win that. Yeah. What was his one? World and Cup. World Cup. Yeah, you forget that, don't you? Because we should be watching the World Cup now, shouldn't no, we? Really? yeah. Uh, but Qatar, I mean, it's the hardest, I reckon it's the hardest World Cup to predict, predict yeah. ever yeah. because different timings. It's not a continent where normally yeah. you go where it could be a South American, it's a hot, European. weather, you know, played at a different time. Aren't they, aren't they, um, are they air conditioning or the stadiums are as well, I think. Uh, yeah, like that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, but yeah. yeah. Uh, love England to do it. Uh, and forget all all the flack they've had in the last few weeks over, over the results there. They they don't really matter. I think I think some of those games were pointless and, and clearly a bit of fatigue from from a lot of players. I think what the, what the manager got was was an indication of perhaps who he might not want to take rather than who he does want to take and who mm. be in his side, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um. So I would I would like England to do it. Um. Do you know what? I, I don't know why, but I, I've said it a lot. I've just got a feeling like Germany could do it again. Yeah. They just seem to go in cycles of, you know, nobody really talks about them, and then they come into a World Cup and they're organised, they're efficient, they, they, they get a, a bit of a system going. So it wouldn't surprise me if somebody like that wins it. I don't know enough about the, 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 the South American sides, Brazils and people like that. Um, I, I did like what Thomas Thomas Muller came out, I think he said a couple of months ago, about how, how often, often other, other national teams will have a, a star player 
but in Germany, you know, the, the idea is it's a collective, and you know, you're built around the the, the yeah. system, not the individual. And, and they all fit in that as well. Exactly, they all fit in that. And I think, I think it's fair to say Southgate. I think that's what he's aiming for. I mm. think he's pretty much got that, and that's why I think you know, listen, you need a bit of luck, but I don't see why they shouldn't be competitive, England, and and you know, get into the later stage, and then and then it just come down to fine margins, and you hope that experience get almost doing it stand you in good stead at that point yeah. but Germany just seem to have that knack don't they of when it really comes to it they're always in there and, and then around the sort of final four and yeah, and they have a point to prove after yeah, you know, the last exactly, one yeah. so yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I can see, certainly see why they're, they're definitely a mm. shell mm. Um, mm. And, and I mean here comes our question that divides everybody oh, God. <laughs> 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 uh, but it, you know, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be football if we didn't have this debate. Go on. Um, so we, we, go, we go for now in, in their prime because there's all controversies around. Are, are they? Is that it? Is that their finish? But I think that's a, that's a debate we don't want to have yet. But Messi or Ronaldo, <laughs> and why? Why? What? Which one sticks out to you? Well, I, I will answer it, but I, I, for the purposes of, of some lads who have coached in the past at various levels who I've seen have real like arguments and almost come to blows over this I would let them go on and go well they're not Patch on Maradona yeah. um, <laughs> and they're not uh, in their absolute prime there's two sides to it I, I would prefer to watch Messi mm. who I think his natural talent and ability is phenomenal but I think Ronaldo again you go back to it is an example for any player, no matter what level you play at, or what your aspirations are, of somebody who will absolutely get the maximum out of himself to be a player. Definitely. Don't be wrong. Obviously, massively talented, but I think without without the mindset and psychological approach that he's had, he's he probably still has a good career, but nothing like he has done, and still playing to the level that he is. You know, I, I laugh when I see somebody who's oh Ronaldo's the issue at United. Well, without Ronaldo scoring all those goals. United would have been even further down the league so I think the issues are around him um, and I think he's still got a big part to play in, in, in what they want to do depending on how you play him but I think if, if you gave me well there's a ticket to go and watch you know Prime Messi and, and I, you know I, I think I watched him in 2013 went to Barcelona and um, yeah so he was living you know obviously quite in his prime then uh, but he was in the season game so it wasn't a great deal going on um, but I saw him play uh, I have seen Ronaldo play as well, but if somebody said to me you can watch them both in the prime, I'd choose to watch Messi. I think. Yeah. I, I, I just that unpredictability and, and, yeah. and like wow factor of well, that's different, you know. For me personally, it's, it's I always want to see Messi. Just, but I was supposed to see Maradona as well. So yeah, I, I, I would love to. Have seen well, one of the craziest things was where, so when, when they came to United uh, back in eighty, well, what have been eighty? It was at Barcelona and they played United against on YouTube's quite a famous game. Basel won the first leg of UEFA Cup 2-0 came here and United beat him 3-0 Robson got 2 and I was at Barnsley at the time so it had been about 83 something like that 84 something like that maybe I don't know and then somebody managed to get us in the night before to Old Trafford to watch Barcelona warm up on the pitch Wow! and uh, we're all sat there like where, where is he where's Matt no sign no, they're all out doing a little bit and you literally all of a sudden you just, the tunnel ends at the side of Old Trafford and you literally just wandered off out didn't really do it. We just walked about didn't have his boots fastened anything threw a tennis ball up in the air did a few keepy-ups with a tennis ball did a few keepy-ups with, with a football walked around and then walked back down the sun <laughs> <laughs> and that was it we were like 
that's my own. <laughs> and then the next night we had tickets for the game and um, yeah, United won 3 0. But uh, yeah. Special special player, definitely. If he played if he played in the my argument with people now where they go, Oh not not patch, not patch, not what do you win, what do you win? You look at the times, the context, the absolute brutality of people trying to like rip him to pieces on the pitch mm. and his balance and how he he basically dragged the team Napoli, didn't he, to 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 win the league twice, which would be the equivalent of Sheffield Wednesday going and win the league twice now. Um and the same with Argentina when they won the World Cup. The Argentinian team in eighty six we, we should have been nowhere near without well, they would have been nowhere near without him. Yeah. Um I think that's the that's the difference in, in the talent. But yeah. Yeah, unbelievable talent. There you go. Uh, and if we were to switch the question up a little bit, um right now in, in the current footballing climate, I mean, you're probably going to base this off of last season because mm. we, we don't know what's going this season going to be like. But off of last season, who, who's up there at the top, the number one spot right now? Mm. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm going to go with one of the obvious ones, which would be De Bruyne. Um, because I enjoy watching him play, I, 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 I think you base these things on 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 what you like to see, and and, and uh, you know, you could argue lots of people's cases. You could argue, you know, Salah had a great season, Mane had a great season. There's this few others, you know, um, Benzema, etc., etc., had great seasons. But if I look at somebody like De Bruyne, how again, how he's developed in his, in his not just in his career, but even at City, how he's how he's developed and become the player that he is now. Um, that's that's a lot of hard work's gone in there, you know. He, he, I, I know from but some stuff, and also stuff that's been said about him, sort of internally at City and stuff. That he, he's he's a very kind of thoughtful lad about his his life and his career, anyway. And um, so I think again, what you what you see with him a lot is 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 a product of him, him thinking hard and fast about what he wants to be and how he wants to how he wants to sort of get there. But aside from that, I mean, you look at some of the talent that he's got, you know, the, the vision that he's got. The range of passing ability to drive past people in midfield, score goals. Mm. He's apart from maybe being as as good as other people with his heading ability. He's probably got everything that you'd want in, yeah. in a modern day footballer. In that, he, even though he's in midfield now, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up playing further back towards the end of his career and he can play as a you know, as a sweeper or, or just as a as a spare man at the back or something. Just because his his ability on the ball is is phenomenal. Um, so again, if you were saying to me, "There's a ticket you can pay to go, or we'll pay for you to go and watch somebody," I'd come down on, on him. I think. I mean, not a surprise. We've had that one before, before this this yeah. season, and, and rightfully so, just just off his, his yeah. form. Um, and and let, let's switch it up a little bit. You know, we had, so you know, there's all those questions are, are jokey in um, a scenario. You know, you can answer them seriously, but. We're going to talk about real issues and and what you think are are the real issues. Mm. Um, but one question that's really important to us is, and I think also to you, considering your your, your career. But how important to to football as a whole is the non-league system? Oh. Yeah, um, I think people who don't understand non-league or have got no interest in it would probably turn around and say, "Well, what impact does that have?" On, on the professional game because you know it's a totally different game it's a totally different setup it's not 
the levels now between some of the lads who are playing in non-league who are more than capable of going and playing in the league but choose not to because of family circumstances sometimes they're earning good money in, in the jobs that they do you see a lot where teams all of a sudden go full-time and lads don't do it because they've got good jobs um, but the preparation and the professionalism now within the non-league is, is on par with, with a lot of professional clubs our, our club you know we use GPS units we use uh, analysis tools to, to, to video games and, and you know look at the games back stuff like that we we try and do that as well as we can as do a lot of clubs at our level and above and, and below so the product itself within there is is a lot better organized and I think you know the, the games are you know yourself you'll watch a lot of games and come away thinking that was just a hell of a good game a, yeah, yeah. a really good game um, and I think it, it, it is underestimated as well that, that there are still players in non-league that can come into full-time football. Are they are they given the chance as much as they were? No, absolutely not. And unfortunately, everyone's looking for the next Jamie Vardy, the one who's going to go right to the top. Uh, and I'm not saying that won't happen, and I'm not saying that there's lads that, that are not capable of that. But I think there are more... There should be more players that do get spotted that get a chance to come into the full-time the full time, and certainly the lower levels, and, and again, I'm not sure what, what our scouting systems work sometimes for for these clubs because they're more likely to go and bring somebody in from the Austrian third division than they would from the you know National League North when they're more than capable of playing in there. Um, so I think it's important from that point of view. But I also think you know, aside from all that, if COVID's taught you nothing, I think what it has shown is that you know the the, the mental health aspect of community in football and being able to go with your mates to watch a game or just stand or, or take a train trip somewhere just up the, up the road uh, is massive and I think non-league gives you that a lot um, because there's a bit more of a community spirit to it. I think now with a lot of games you, you turn up, I turn up to Premier League games, don't be wrong, it's a great experience uh, and it's a great product but it's kind of, you know, you've got the fan zone and you've got this and, and you go in and watch the game and it's, it's all very sanitised and, and that's fine, not a problem, great product. You come away, whereas non-league, you know yourself, turn up a little bit earlier or you go with your mates in the morning to have a few drinks, you get to the game, you see people around the ground that you know, you see people around the ground that you've known from the year before because they're, they're yeah. the home fans. You can have a little bit of interaction that way. You can probably go and speak to the players afterwards as well. Uh, and I think that aspect, that social community aspect, is something that if you if you understand non-league, you know it's a big thing. No, if you don't, I think that's something that you, you just don't really appreciate. Yes, definitely. I, I can put it better myself. Really, you know that, that that's why non-league is, is so special. Hmm. Uh, and moving on to, to our, our next question, what's as football as a whole? What's the biggest issue facing football right now? I mean, in your opinion, because there are plenty to pick from. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to say. I'll probably get on a bit of a soapbox here. I'm going to say right across the board from the top right to the bottom and it's in our league now is honesty and integrity. Yeah. And what I mean by that is um, you know, the game, they, listen, the game changes and, and I understand that and I'm all for it and I, and I think I, I change with the times and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think you know, you look and, and you see players throwing themselves around and, and you know buying free kicks and I'm not a big advocate of it but I'll be honest with you I'm looking at it now thinking my team needs to start doing that a lot more because it's just part of the game now do I like it? no 
Do I accept it? Yeah, because it's just going on and it'll happen, it'll carry on happening. Um, but I think there's a lot of honesty, if you like, gone out of the game from that aspect. Yeah. And I think also what, what I mean by it is at our level, especially players, players and clubs, um, the last couple of years certainly there's, there's a bit more of a, and I don't know why it is, but there's a bit more of a, a streak of, well, we've just got to get above everybody else and we don't really care how that affects anybody or, or you know, if that means taking your best player because we don't really want to play him but we'll stop you from playing him. I think there's a bit of that gone on. So yeah. I think there's a little bit of, of just that crept in over the last couple of years, but I, I would sum it up with that honesty and integrity across the board of behaviour of sometimes of players on, on the field and, and coaches and managers off the field as well, if I'm honest with you. Um, just a little bit of that has gone has gone a bit too far. But the genie's out of the bottom now, we can't do anything about it. You've just got to either adapt to it or or, or somebody's got to find a way to, to, to make it better. Higher up the league, I'll be honest with you, when I see some of the things that go on and, and, and they talk about VAR now and, and everything's filmed, all the angles, you can't get away with anything. But yeah, I think, well, they do because you'll see you'll see something out on the field and you know full well that you know, the player's throw themselves to the ground to get the free kick or throw themselves to the ground to get the penalty and they play it back and they go and they still give it or they go oh he's rolling around injured if you've played the game at any level you know whether that player's injured or not yeah. you generally do nine times out of ten you know if he's trying to pull an order on the referee um, and I think there's a way that maybe ex-players got involved and in, whether it's retrospective or I think the minute they started saying to clubs well actually we've looked at that and you know in our opinion we've looked at it and he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have given it. Or he shouldn't. That 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 shouldn't have happened. So, play has to miss the next game. It it would tighten up a little bit all of a sudden. Yeah. Because yeah. managers then get on and say, well, look, we need to be a little bit better with this. We 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 can't. You know, we can't be just trying to buy free kicks all the time. Don't mm-hmm. Sometimes they are free kicks, but I think a lot of them now it's just. It's just. It's just a little bit dishonest. I think sometimes. But as I, I, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking I've got to find a way to get my team to do a little bit more this year. Because <laughs> we miss out. If you can't beat them, drawing. Well, we miss out sometimes, <laughs> we do, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, this is a very, very valid uh, issue right now. Uh, and here's a, here's a question for you as someone who has volunteered in various capacities at clubs. Why, why should someone is he watching a, club, a local club or is you know started to delve into the world of non-league football why should they volunteer at their local club do you know I'd go back to what I said before about about that community of, of spirit if you like and, and being involved in something and feeling a part of something every single club I've ever been involved with or that I go to now there's always a band of people that volunteer at the club and you can tell them and you can tell them afterwards in the gate after in the bars and stuff like that because they're a little bit more relaxed because the game's over um, but they've come together they've probably spent some time in the, at the ground during the week or the weekends helping out our own club you know people are down there in the summer painting you know doing work around the place trying to make it uh, you know look decent make it a bit more of a, a welcome environment every every year that people come but off the back of that, they have a real community. You know, they they yeah. they, they they're definitely friends for life. They socialise together. You, you feel you do feel part of something. You you are always appreciated by the players and the staff. Again, you know, we we, we probably don't spend enough time telling our people that, but we we do. We appreciate what they do. We appreciate the work they put in behind the scenes for us to be able to turn up and 
train and, and turn up on a match day and play a game. Um, a lot of work. There's a lot of work goes into it, and, and you know sometimes it can probably be a bit frustrating for people. But if you, I think if you want to be involved in something and, and feel a real part of it and a sense of pride when you're perhaps watching the team, you know, out there, then volunteering to do something, whether that's just working in the kitchen or manning a, a turnstile, or even you know, I don't know, offering to cut the grass once a week, uh, could be anything. I think then then non-league is a great environment for that. It's yeah. a great environment. Um, and I think that's probably, I might be wrong on this, but probably why a lot of people end up doing it. And um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if when I do stop coaching or, or whatever, I'll, I'll, whether it's around here or, or even something for it, I'll probably go and volunteer to do something because it's just a really nice environment to be in. Definitely, definitely. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I mean, as someone who, who does a lot of work with our, our local league site, just doing media sort of uh, designing of media posts and that sort of thing it, you know it's a small part but it's great to feel you know, we have a wonderful chairman and wonderful yeah. players they we, you know it's a wonderful thing to be part of a, a football club and we were mm. just saying about vo volunteering and doing the, the, the small things that overall play a massive massive yeah. role in, in yeah. what is you know, even for a, what we call a non-league club, it's still a massive, you know, massive organisation to to, mm -hmm. to run, um, no matter what level you, you play at. And, and yeah, without those people, you wouldn't get the team out on the pitch because you, you just wouldn't. But you you would be, you'd be playing some league, even if you weren't the involvement of everything else that goes with it. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and our final question, um, and and I feel like if there's anybody who could answer this, um, and, and Give good advice would be yourself. No pressure. <laughs> but um, what what advice would you give to someone who wants to to start playing football for say a local side? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, my advice would be the advice that I give to every player that I speak to that has ambitions to, in their words, play as high as they can. We all understand that, and that's a great ambition to have. But sometimes. You're actually better off just playing. Yeah. Just play the game somewhere. And if that's in your eyes a division below where you think you should be, or two divisions below, as long as you're playing, you will and you're you've got the talent and you've got the ability, you will always find your level. Yeah. You know, somebody will come and look at you if you play a number of games at um well let's say at our level. If someone wants to come and play at our level, but you know, they weren't quite up to that and went and played two, three divisions below but played 30, 40 games a season and then played another 30, 40 games a year after, I'd be more inclined to look at them and think, well, they've played some football, they understand it a little bit, yeah. so they might be worth having a, having a goal to, to bring into this level. I think there are too many lads these days that, uh, for want of a better phrase, want to have the tracksuit from the team that are higher up the league but don't actually play. Yeah. And then find themselves spiralling back round and don't really play any games in the season and they start again the year after and I want to play as high as I can and, they want to keep trying that whereas I genuinely think if they just go and play some football go and play on a regular basis get used to certainly not only get used to turning up on a Tuesday night Thursday night train in the winter and it's snowing and <laughs> turn up on a weekend and the game's off or turn up on a weekend and you're on the bench or turn up on the weekend and you're not even in the team but just go through that whole cycle that whole experience one you'll enjoy it you'll enjoy the whole experience of being involved with people yeah. but you'll also build yourself a little bit of a body of work and a bit of a reputation that actually do you know what this kid can play a little bit, he's willing to 
put the hard yards in to get to where he wants to be. Uh, yeah. yeah. What better advice is there? I mean, uh, you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, and you know, yeah. if, even if you're 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 starting off on on the bottom bottom rung of the ladder, yeah, that means play. there's only there's only a, a upwards to go. So just play exactly. Uh, and, and I want to thank you, Wayne, for coming on. It's pleasure, been an absolute great. pleasure to, to chat with you and, and, and talk through so much. And I feel like we could have been here for, for, for days talking about uh, different things. I could have waffled on a lot. <laughs> um, but, you know, just thank you for giving us that, that little pleasure. snippet into you know, your, your career and, and also your thoughts and opinions on different things. Thank you. We appreciate that. Um, so if you haven't already... I'm sure you know by now, but go and like and subscribe to the Weymouth Street Massive channel. Uh, follow our podcast on Apple and Spotify under Back of the Net. Um, and yeah, stick around because there's going to be much more content coming your way. So thank you for watching. I've been Ben. It's been Wayne. And this has been the Back of the Net podcast. We'll see you soon.